Welcome to the Geek Therapy Podcast. On this episode, we're going to talk about Gen Con, a huge gaming convention that happens in Indianapolis every year. And to tell us all about it is my good friend, Woody Harris, who's been on the show before. So let's just get right into it. So now we're talking to Woody Harris. He's a therapist in Atlanta. He's been on the show before. He's written on Geek Therapy. He is my go-to person for tabletop gaming. Don't laugh, Woody, right? I know we talk about that. We're not experts on every single game that comes out, but I consider you my expert on uh, just the tabletop gaming culture because you go to cons and things like that. Is, is that not accurate? No, that, that that's absolutely accurate. <laughs> and that, that's why you're here today because you just went to what's considered the best four days of gaming, Gen Con. The most awesome four days of gaming, yes. It was fantastic. And I couldn't go. Uh, I, I, I would have loved to go. I always hear great things about Gen Con. So that's why you're here. I want to hear all about it. I want you to talk about what it was like, what goes on there, especially for people who haven't been there. And kind of, you know, we always look at the therapeutic, educational stuff that goes on in these cons. And I think a lot of people aren't aware of that and... I want to see, you know, what you saw, what you heard. So welcome back and, and tell me all about Gen Con. Okay. Well, uh, Did you have fun? Gen Con is a mass of amazing people. Uh, it's a four – it, like you said, it's the four biggest days in gaming and the four best days in gaming. But there's also a fifth day, and the fifth day is trade day. And that's kind of where we'll start if we're going to kind of do this in some kind of linear fashion, which makes sense to me. I'm a linear person. Go for it. Uh, so trade day is the day before Gen Con starts totally. And during trade day, uh, you get retailers, you get educators and you get librarians and maybe a few therapists and they all come together and we all talk about sort of how tabletop gaming and role-playing gaming has an impact on our fields. Uh, so I didn't even know that this existed when I first signed up for Gen Con and then I start looking through the schedule and I see, oh, wow, there, there's all these great uh, there's all these great panels that I can go to, like why play games and the transformative nature of games and gaming and mental health and these kind of things. So I had signed up for all that. Um, the unfortunate thing is it didn't quite come off quite the way I wanted it to. Uh, the first panel I was late for because of some glitches in the system, the second panel nobody showed up for, and the third panel was run by a math professor. That said, um, it was an excellent opportunity to get to meet with and uh, network with some other mental health professionals that use games in therapy and uh, also some teachers who use games in the classroom but have sort of a therapeutic bent to what they do as well. Now, here's, here's, a, here's a serious question. How, how difficult was it to meet other mental professionals or other educators? It was really a matter of just saying... Uh, Who's in here that's a, a mental health professional? Uh, the, the guy that was the, uh, the one who did the uh, mental health and board gaming, who was a math professor, uh, did, um, he, he kind of pointed out people as, as they walked in, you know, where are you coming from? Where are you coming from? So there was three of us in that room that were mental health professionals. One sat at my table and one sat a little bit away from my table. So when the break came, we had a chance to have a little bit of a discussion about how they use games in therapy, how I use games in therapy. and So it was good networking time. And then the other opportunity came when I went to, at the end of trade day, there's kind of this like all of the companies get their chance to sort of demo their games and show them to the retailers and the various people who came to trade day. And I went to one room, and uh, now I don't remember the name of the company, but uh, 
there was a gentleman there who was a mental, uh, he was a, a, a clinical social worker, and he had been using games in therapy so much, he'd created his own card game uh, that he used in therapy, which wasn't, you know, it's not, it's not, we've talked about this before, it's not one of those games that is like, everybody's going to want to go home and play this. But as far as being a game to be played in therapy, it was an excellent choice because it's kind of this ambiguous storytelling game. Um, so I played that with him and got to know him a little bit. And he's been doing social work for like 25 years or something. So he was an old hat at what he was doing. But this was this was a good way to sort of network to get to meet people. I um, At one con last year, I actually made some T-shirts that said, I'm a mental health professional and I play video games. And another one said, I'm a mental health professional and I... Uh, read comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, they were ugly shirts. It was like very simple, just <laughs> basic text <laughs> on the front. But uh, I, I think I want to, I, I want to do that again, so that when when we go to these different cons, see, see if it's if we can meet a lot more people because it. I think it is hard. I've met some amazing people um, at different conventions, but it it there's got to be a, a an easier way. I think that that kind of works out. Just display it on your t shirt. I need to get a better design. Would you wear one? If I made one? Oh, I would absolutely wear one. Okay, yeah. cool. I'm going to make you one. Because I mean, we need to be able to actually, you know, connect with people. And there's that's that's the way to do it. T-shirts seems like the way to do it, right? Forget business cards. All right. We're, we're going to yeah. work on this. If anybody listening wants or is interested in one, let me know. Absolutely. There you go. All right. Keep going. Uh, <laughs> so trade day, um, that was like a fantastic beginning because I'm making all these network connections and, and – uh, it also gave me a feel for, well, what, what, what does Gen Con think of mental health and gaming? What they think is it's a brand new idea. Um, most of their stuff is catered to retailers, librarians, and educators. Mental health professionals were not a big part of the contingent. But what that says to me is there is room to put more into this. Um, and we have an opportunity here that we're missing because there are mental health professionals that are gamers. There are mental health professionals that are using games in therapy and they are making games for therapy. So there's an audience there. And so, I mean, I can at least pitch it to Gen Con as this is a missing part of your, your program. And there's a lot of us talking at different conventions, video games, uh, big pop culture ones like New York and San Diego. So Exactly. So there's, there is a, a growing trend that's not being recognized overall by the community. And we can capitalize on that and get people to have more of a discussion about this. Not only how we use games in therapy, but how we use four games for therapy for ourselves, which is, I mean, hell, that's, that's my main therapy right now is to play games. And when we looked at the schedule a, a, a while ago, it may have been a few months ago, there were so yeah. many really good sounding panels related to, again, psychology education. But you said this was the first year that mental health was included in any way? That's, that's according to the people that I talked to that I networked with. Okay. Um, I, was, I was talking with a, a young lady who had come there to present herself. And she was herself a mental health professional, but she was presenting on something else, I think. But she said this is the first year that Gen Con has, has started doing this mental health gaming kind of piece to things so it it can easily grow there are probably a lot of other people thinking the same way i am i hope me too um but yeah i mean it's it's not it's not an isolated discussion topic you know it's not just me out here in some kind of like tower thinking you know i've got this great idea this conversation is starting to build in our community as a whole and that is fantastic 
I mean, you're part of that because you started Geek Therapy, and that's kind of where we're at. It's But we're bringing all these different aspects to the picture, so we're getting a more whole picture of how our passions uh, can be therapeutic and meaningful in ways that people don't think about them being that. And Gen Con is primarily tabletop and role-playing, correct? It is. Um, I, I, you're gonna, I don't have a lot of history for Gen Con, unfortunately. But I know that it started with uh, Dungeons & Dragons. It, it started as kind of an offshoot of, of role-playing games. So I think that, that was a primary. And that was certainly bread and butter there at this con also. We were just not in, as involved in the role-playing aspect. But, you know, if you think of any particular convention, um, you know, whether it's electronic games convention or whatever conventions there are, uh, this is a chance for the publishers to show their wares, basically. And then luckily we've built up this community around those wares, so we have all kinds of opportunity to play our games and to meet with, with game designers and to get a chance to uh, just be more involved in the culture that we've created. But primarily it's a trade show that's branched out into being a social context, if that makes sense. Yeah. And you, and, and I'm honest about this, you go to more gaming weekends and gaming cons than... Tabletop related than, than anybody else that I know. So, but this was your first Gen Con. So how did it compare to what you're familiar with? Um, was, it, was it bigger? Was it smaller? Was it huge? Was it like, how excited were you? Well, Everything. It was huge. I was incredibly excited. The, the, the real difference is this is a gaming convention in the sense of there are game releases that are happening uh, on this weekend, there were huge announcements from people like Fantasy Flight, um, and so the the game conventions that I've gone to have been more like a gathering of friends playing games. The focus is not on releasing these new games; the focus is on getting people together and playing games. Gen Con is about the cult of the new, the people who are looking for the newest games that are out there, and about hobnobbing with the distributors, the podcasters, and the people. So it, it's a very different focus. You know, the cons I've gone to here in Atlanta and, and a little bit outside of Atlanta are all cons where we just get together, throw games on the table, and we go and play. This is much different. This is Dragon Con, but with the focus being gaming. In fact, the group may even be about the same size as Dragon Con, but it's a much, much more well-laid-out place in the sense that the traffic flow is really well taken care of, so it doesn't feel as crowded as Dragon Con. But there was a huge contingent of people there, Cosplayers everywhere, role-playing game players everywhere, LARPs, everything. Just, it's overwhelming how big this was. I'm, I'm guessing there's never been so many tables at a convention. No, no. <laughs> I mean, there were rooms and rooms of tables. I yeah. mean, so you have the exhibition hall, which is full of tables, and of course they're trying to sell, but they also, at every, of, every one of the big game makers' areas, there's like eight to ten tables, maybe six tables, depending on the size of the game maker. You know, Z-Man was probably about ten tables. Um, and then there is a gaming hall, which is for paid-for gameplay, so that the publishers basically say, we're going to be on hand to play these games with you in full if you, you know, pay a one to two dollar, you know, two to four dollar ticket price. Then there are also gaming rooms put together by the gaming companies that are free play where you just go in, you check out their games and they let you play the games and they come around and teach you how to play the games. 
And then there are all these, there's, there's a game library, which we didn't even get to go into, which is a huge library of games, and you get to go in there and pick games off the shelf and take them to your table and play them. So the access to board games is everywhere. You walk into the bar, there are people playing games there. You walk into the lobby, there are people playing games there. Even the menus change to accommodate looking like they're all about games. It's just like this, I, my head almost exploded, you know? <laughs> And so how many new games are or, or did you play? Was it was it mostly new games that you'd never tried before? Were there except for just a little bit of downtime, it was all new games. All games that I had never tried before and had only been released at Gen Con. Wow. Yeah. So Gen Con is probably it's the the biggest convention in America for gaming. And it's close to being the biggest convention in the world. Of course, the biggest one is Essen. And a lot of releases will happen at Essen a lot more than we're here, but the, it was an, a staggering amount of games that were released this last weekend. And most of them not even available to the public yet. Um, some of them coming available this week, some of them coming available through the through the Christmas quarter, basically. Um, just, I, I mean, <sighs> overwhelming. So many. So many games. And, and all so exciting. There's so many great ideas going on in gaming right now that if you have an interest, it's probably out there. One thing that surprised me about tabletop gaming conventions and, and culture is, is the idea of kind of prototyping games, right? The games, you, you may play a game that's not a final version. But did you see a lot right. of that? Or, or are these closer to, because of the, of the trade aspect, are these much closer to release and, and, and a final product? These are much closer to release and final product. The demos that I played that were not yet released... They were like they were like a, a, a printout on a cardboard piece and things like that. But these are games that are already ready to go to the printer. For instance, uh, there is one that is called Temporum that's going to be put out by Rio Grande, and it's it's basically a, um, a point building, uh, time traveling game. Um, so the one we played was not, you know, it's not like the professional board yet. It was just a printout on a piece of cardboard. And some of the some of the uh, components that you would have in your game, but it it was still the finished product. It's just not the quote, you know, not all the bells and whistles yet. Um, so things like that are they're not being released in full because they haven't got it to the printer yet, but they are being released to be shown because they want to they want to get the energy up for these games. So then, not only new games, but I. Because I saw some of the pictures you posted, um, there's like alternate versions of some of the games, right? I, I, w- I want to hear you talk about the Mammoth games because I thought that, oh, that was yeah. so cool. Well, this is a, this is a big thing that Mayfair does, and I guess a lot of people have followed in the tracks of Mayfair. But what they've done is they've they've taken a, a regular game board and blown it up to high proportions. You know, we we played Star Trek Catan, Mammoth Star Trek Catan, and. Uh, uh, your your ships are maybe about um, maybe about a foot high, and the board is a carpet, and your cards are about a, a little maybe a half a foot cards for resource cards. So we pretty much had to stand and play and look down on this carpet and move our pieces around. Um, but all surrounding us, there was Mammoth Catan, Mammoth uh, Settlers of uh, Mammoth Settlers, Mammoth Carcassonne, Mammoth Hot Tin Roof. Everything was Mammoth. <laughs> and then the one that I didn't get to play that I'm really unhappy, but I got to see at least, was the Super Robo Rally, which basically they took. I don't. I don't know if you played the game Robo Rally. This is a uh, 
a game in which you program your robots and they are trying to touch flags. And in the midst of this touching flags, they're moving around the board, but you're programming five moves in advance. Everybody's programming their five moves in advance. And then you, you let the robots go. Well, this one was programmed on iPhones, which were sent to Lego robots. And those Lego robots took the commands and they would just follow the commands and you'd just watch it happen. So this robot touches this flag. Oh, he thought he touched the flag, but the other robot came in and pushed him away from the flag. Oh, did he push him into a pit? Yep, he did. So things like that were going on. It was huge. I saw I saw one of the pictures, too. It was yeah. gigantic. Yeah, yeah, that was huge. <laughs> so, yeah, and then other special events that were going on. Uh, for those that watch Parks and Recreation, there's this game called Cones of Dunshire. <laughs> Do you know about this? Yes, you told me about this, yeah. Yes, so for the, the listeners who don't know... Um, one of the main characters in Park Recreation, uh, his name is Ben, and for his bachelor party, he played Settlers of Catan, which bored all his friends to death, but I, I thought it was excellent. <laughs> but later on in a period of non-work, he created his own version of the next step in Catan, the Catan sequel, and he called it Cones of Dunshire. And to give you kind of a, a, a flavor for what this was like, he starts the game with something like, okay, roll your dice, and determine how many dice you roll. So the dice roll that he was playing was to determine how many dice you roll on the next move. Um, and the rules were really convoluted, and, and just, I mean, if you're a tabletop gamer, they're hilarious to listen to. But Mayfair did this thing where it's like a um, a donation-based gameplay where they put together you know, a Cones of Dunshire, which I don't even know if they've gotten the real like rules together yet that make any sense, but they played it in the streets... And uh, they did it for charity, and I think the person who played like the main character in the game spent like seven hundred something dollars to be a part of the game. <laughs> but in the end, uh, they they generated like ten thousand dollars worth of donations wow. by playing this game in the streets. Wow, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and that was a hard ticket to get to, so we didn't get to see that one. But I heard about it. I saw pictures of it, and I, I got really, you know, my gaming pants got really wet. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm not editing that out. <laughs> um, so it, it's so a, there's so much to say about the, about this convention. Um, just the opportunities to play new games and to meet the the designers were, were fantastic. Um, on that trade day, w- one of the things that trade day did for us was it allowed us to go into the exhibition hall an hour before everybody else, mm-hmm. which meant that there's a small group of us just flooding into the, to the exhibition hall, which is like probably a couple football fields long, and trying to get to see games or buy games that we want to buy before anybody else has access to them. Um, but we went to the Z-Man game, uh, games table, and uh, the creators of this new game, Battle at Kimball's Cascade, were there. And they were showing off their game, and they were really cool guys. And basically what they've done is they've created a game that uh, brings the scrolling arcade fighter, kind of like Galaga or Galaxian, to the board game world. Whoa. And they, they managed to do this in a way that makes sense. Like you are playing a scrolling shooter and you're all shooting these aliens and you're shooting each other and you're trying to avoid asteroids and black holes and uh, it works really well. I didn't think this was going to work really well, but this works really well. And to have the game designers there to talk about the game and their inspirations for the game and things like that, that, that was uh, there was no experience like that. Yeah. So how was the And com- that was going on all over the place. So what was the community aspect like um, in general? Like you're playing with a bunch of people you might not know. Um, you know, what, what was the atmosphere there? 
everybody was so friendly. I mean, I don't know how to. I did not meet one person I didn't like. <laughs> Nobody annoyed me. Everybody was friendly. We're all sitting down to play games together. We're all happy to play games together. And there was just like immediate camaraderie. And then as soon as you leave that situation, you don't see them again, except for maybe in passing, you say hi, and then you go on to your next game. But everybody was into what they were doing. Cool. So uh, the biggest thing we did was we spent four and a half hours playing a role-playing game. And that was my wife and I, and then uh, a couple of other guys who didn't, we didn't know them. But we spent four and a half hours with them playing this game, telling this story, and it was a fantastic time. Everybody was just into it. So the culture is, you want to play games? We're here to play games, and that's where it's at. No pushing, no shoving, no people treating each other bad. Um, it was it was such a relaxing experience for being such a – I mean, 60,000 people, but yet you're, you're pretty relaxed about it, you know, except for when you're like, i got to get to my game now. Other than that, it's all just so – friendly uh, at what time did you play that role-playing game eight o'clock in the morning eight o'clock, <laughs> eight o'clock to i think we stopped at about uh uh 12 30 or one no we stopped at one from playing that game so they spent like the first 45 minutes explaining the game and then the rest of the time was spent playing the game uh that game was so uh such a revelation revelation for me it's been about 20 years since I played uh, real role-playing games. And it's kind of been a struggle with, with uh, trying to decide whether or not I wanted to involve myself in this world again. Yeah. So this one looked really interesting. It's a steampunk fantasy set in a deist world in which uh, I'd like to explain it fully, but just some details. The idea is that the creator created the world from chaos. He created the world to do certain things, so it ticks like a clock. You know, it's Clockmaker's Universe, and he's walked away. But now, as a result of everyone having free will, some people use their free will to go against the grain of their purpose in life. And so that clock starts to break down, which means the chaos starts to seep through, which means that the characters in the universe start to have really weird experiences. Hmm. Like, there's no internet. There's no real heavy focus on press. Like, today we know exactly what's happening in Zimbabwe, if we need to. In that world, that doesn't exist, so... You've read newspapers that are kind of questionable, but they talk about, you know, like like a rain of cows in, in the southeast or something. And so you know something weird is going on because these things come up every so often, but it's not quite to the point that the whole world realizes that the world is going to hell in a handbasket. So you have these people trying to, to live out their purpose, keep other people from not following their purpose. I mean, from keep other people from, you know, using their free will in negative ways. And this is, this is the world you're sort of injected into. The thing that was so startling and amazing about this was the character creation, which I haven't really thought about that much in regards to therapy. I've known that, that people out there are using role-playing games as therapeutic games. But the character sheet allows for you to build a kind of ambiguous model of who you're going to be in this world. And the interesting things about it was how ambiguous it can be to sort of like help someone to explain how they deal with the world. So if we were to create a character sheet for ourselves right now and we were to talk about the difference in how much we follow our purpose versus how much our free will takes us away from our purpose, that's a pretty ambiguous way of saying that we are going against our own grain. And if we could find some way to use a character sheet in a therapeutic situation, I'm just so excited about the idea of, of having a assessment tool that is not DSM-based. 
It's not deficit-based that gives you a chance to really talk about how you deal with the world as a whole and how you can put that out in front of someone and yourself and then talk about, okay, so what's this about? You, you feel like you veered away from your purpose a little bit. Tell me more about that. And it's not in a blaming way. It's not in a negative way, which we've talked about this before. It's really important to normalize a person's reactions to the world and to make sure that they see that there are these ambiguous things that you're dealing with in life and you're making choices and these that we're all going through this. This character sheet is true for you. It's true for me. You know, I don't know how to do it yet, but I'm really excited about the possibility. And talking to this guy who made the game, um, he gave me a lot of ideas. He talked about Buddhist psychology. He talked about, um, you know, sort of their ideas for where this world came from. And I just, I got fascinated. Uh, and it, so now I'm kind of in this place where I'm like, I want to play more role-playing games. <laughs> I want to know how role-playing games have an impact on me and have an impact on other people. Did you guys talk about how um, you could kind of play towards more an ideal self or play as yourself within this fictitious world? Did you Were there any discussions about that? About like how, how different players might choose one path or the other? No, but that's probably a good area to talk about. The thing you have to remember is, okay, you're coming into this con, and most of these guys who are, are play, setting up these games... They're either setting them up because they're a dealer who's trying to get you more involved in their game, or they're setting up because they want to see how their game is going to play out with a group of people who've never played it before, um, which was the case with this game, Clockwork Dominion, um, which is not even out yet. So we're basically playtesting this role-playing game. They have to give you pre-rolled characters because otherwise it's going to take you a long time to get into the world. Yeah. So we didn't talk about making characters. We had a pre-rolled character. Oh, okay. It was just that the, the sets of information on this pre-rolled character made me think of what a great assessment tool and way of, of expressing yourself that this character rolling sheet was. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. So yeah. there's potential there that hasn't maybe been plumbed yet. You know, We haven't, yeah. they haven't discovered what we can do with this yet. I know that there are people out there working with role-playing games, but... I haven't discovered it yet. So that's the important piece is that it's an inspiration point for me as a player and as a therapist. Yeah, that's one of the most exciting things about it, that whole character creation process. And then I know people who, as as the therapist, they kind of have that dungeon master role. So they can mm-hmm. kind of manipulate the world to kind of, you know, see how you would um, react to certain things w- within that frame of that character. Right. And, and again, I mean, it's, it's a fascinating discussion. Are you, are you going to play as yourself or are you going to play as an ideal version of yourself? Or are you going to play as a, a version of yourself that you don't, do not like? You know, there's a, there's exactly. a lot there. And yeah. you get the chance to play out those roles. Yep. And you can even sort of play with it, you know, like, well, I know my character here would do this, but I myself would never do this. And you have to deal with that incongruence also. Yeah. So there's so many opportunities there in that world to do that, and and role playing in general, which is much bigger than I ever expected it to be. Yeah. Um. You know, back when I played Dungeons and Dragons in the '80s, <laughs> uh, now it's an overwhelming amount. All you have to do is go to some place like uh, Drive In Gaming. I think it's called Drive In Role Playing Gaming or something like that website, and you'll see that there are just thousands of different role playing games out there. Yeah. Yeah. 
did you you know this is something that happens to us we we can't just play games anymore right <laughs> we're always thinking that next level and how we could use it and and what meta gaming i'm constantly meta gaming always right right we we get we go we go deep right it, it's introspective and, and we get these different insights um so so did you have any other experiences like that at the show and any other games that really brought up some really cool ideas that maybe you didn't have going in I'm trying to think about it. I think after day one, like day one of the main convention, I kind of turned off my brain and said, okay, I'm here to play games. Gotcha. It's not um, easy. Except for, that, except for that moment with the, the role-playing game. Yeah. But a lot of the time, you know, I'd like to say we played a lot of games. We didn't play a lot of games. A lot of the time was spent rushing around the exhibition hall and meeting with people who would explain their games to us. So you get a chance to sort of see these games in either prototype phase or to play maybe a round of the game without playing the full game. So there's almost no time to engage in that inner discussion about, you know, what is this doing to me as a person or what kind of therapeutic aspect does this have? But the, the worship, the game worship part of me came alive, you know, like going to meet these people and, and see these games and getting more excited about it. Um, I played a couple of really great interactive games that I know can be, possibly expanded to a therapy level, although one's a little questionable. One's called Cash and Guns. Have you ever seen this one? No, no. Well, Cash and Guns has been around, out for a little while, but they're, they're re-skinning it. Uh, John Kovalek, who does uh, the uh, artwork for Munchkin, is doing the artwork for it now. And the, the game is basically everybody is uh, a gangster, basically. We all have plastic or rubber guns in front of us, and these guns are black with an orange tip on them. And the goal is uh, you're trying to get the gold from the center of the game. And on the turn, what's going to happen is everybody's going to point their gun at somebody. Now, your gun may have a, an empty barrel or it may have a bullet in it. You only get three bullets and the rest are all clicks. But you're pointing your gun at somebody anyway. So there's a lot of psycho- psychology going on in this. And you know people are trying to determine why you're pointing your gun at me. <laughs> what do I do about you pointing your gun at me? That kind of thing. So that... That has fascinating implications to me if we, if we can get past the fact that we're using guns in therapy. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, if you're working with gang members, maybe that's the way. I don't know. Um, maybe that's not the best way. I, I, I should shut up now. Um, <laughs> I don't want to encourage anybody to do this until I've thought about it a lot more clearly. One of the things that I found fascinating, and, and, and you've helped me with this, is learning a new game. And that period at the beginning, like you were saying, just learning about the game, just learning how to play it can take almost just as long as the actual gameplay session sometimes. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. especially with a really complex Euro game. Yeah, like, I'm thinking about Terra Mystica right now. I'd never played the game. Okay. It took us over an hour to go over the rules. And right. then the game took, I think, maybe two hours. And throughout the process, I realized that we didn't cover all the rules at the beginning. <laughs> It's really tough. I mean, yeah, that that yeah. that whole aspect of gaming is really difficult. It's a challenge for me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm reflecting on a good friend of mine who is he runs a gaming uh, company basically here in Atlanta. Um, the gaming company is called Well Played, uh, but he is just a master at telling the story and getting people engaged in the world in such a way as to make the rules quick, easy, fun, and understandable, while being on hand to give you extra information. And and but that's an art. Yeah. Teaching games is an art. Yeah, yeah I, I haven't I, learned it yet. <laughs> on paper, I mean, just hearing that idea, like, yeah, we're, we're going to spend an hour just learning how to play the game, and then we're going to play the game. 
it doesn't sound fun and it never sounded appealing to me. But I agree mm-hmm. with something that you said before, like that whole part of it, you spent the weekend doing mostly that. And, yeah. and that part is so cool. I mean, I, it, and it's so much fun to learn and to see these game mechanics played out and to see variations on things that you already know. And I don't know, I think, I think there's a, there's a lesson there too, right? I mean, that, that one hour of preparation can give you so many hours of enjoyment afterwards. It just, it just makes the exactly. whole you, exactly. you need to have that preparation before there is some foundation. And once you have all the rules and once you see kind of the, the overview, then there's so many possibilities with what you can do afterwards. And, and that's kind of the fun of board games, right? Every time you start over and you don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's yeah. a lot of fun. I, I like it. And, and now that we're kind of on that, on that fun part, right? Moving away from the, the therapy sense and, and, and psychology, just let's talk about like the, the therapeutic concept in, in general, right? More broadly that it's just like how therapeutic it was to be at Gen Con. Yes. Like it was just fun, right? You had a great time. Like tell me. Right. There, there was, I mean, you know, it's a vacation for me. So there was very little interruption from that vacation in terms of like the real world impacting me. You know, there is the situation that there's a lot of homeless in Indianapolis and you, you see those guys when you walk out of the food trucks. But other than that, there wasn't really like this moment that, that you have, you're, you're kind of encapsulated in this gaming world. And your focus is completely, you know, I realize there's a lot of troubles in the world, but we all need that space to go to where suddenly the only trouble is, well, what do I do to get money for this resource? You know, it, it's, yeah. it maybe maps life, but as far as being a, a therapy for me, um, I came back exhausted, but now that I'm through that exhaustion, now I've had my rest, I'm really energized and pumped. I'm I'm pumped to get more out there about what I've learned, and I'm I'm pumped to play new games, and I'm I'm pumped to go to Dragon Con, which is coming up next week. So it, it's um, as far as a a an environment of fun, I I can't say I've ever went to a better con actually. Wow, wow, um, that's huge. I just felt so yeah, it is. Uh, I just felt so overwhelmed with joy almost every day i mean yeah there's this part of me like you really need more than five hours sleep dude (laughs) no i don't there's stuff to do (laughs) you can sleep later exactly i'll sleep when i'm dead right now there's dice to roll (laughs) one one, one thing that uh, again i'm gonna say fascinated but one of the things that i'm fascinated by is that when you get to that large of a group of people you're talking about sixty thousand people but when everybody is there for the same reason and you all love games yeah, like, it's just like it's exponential, right? It doesn't. There, it doesn't... Were, there were times that I had to sit there and just contemplate that. Yeah. So you know, here in Atlanta, we have all these nice little gaming conventions, and it's a gathering of maybe maybe two hundred people, and then you get out there, and the whole world is with you. Yeah, yeah. we all know what it means that I need sheep. <laughs> you know, it, it's <laughs> that's such a weird thing. You don't have to explain what meeples are. People just know exactly. <laughs> And then I, I have to talk about Rio Grande because I think for me, Rio Grande, which is uh, the, the gaming company that, that uh, uh, they do a lot of really good games. And, and for whatever reason, I can't think of them right now. Um, they won the con for me because they have a con suite that is you go in. They have all their games there. All their newest games are there like Quilt Show, which is uh, apparently kind of a ticket to ride based game about making quilts. 
and they have pressure cooker, which is kind of bringing kitchen stadium to the gaming table. If you if you watch that, uh, I can't even remember what the name of the show is with Alton Brown, um, Iron Chef. Uh, so it kind of brings that to the table, and they had Temporum. So not only do they have these games, they have their 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 people are walking around and they're helping people play games. We're in the middle of playing games. They start bringing in food. <laughs> they fed us one night. Whoa. They had every time I went to the suite, they had cokes available for all of us. And the night that I was there playing games, they fed us roast beef and some like salad stuff and drinks, and that blew me away because we were going to go out to a restaurant and probably pay thirty dollars a piece for our meal or whatever, you know. And these guys just brought in food and they said, "Here, we're we're giving you food, play games, have fun." <laughs> that that was already fantastic to me. And then on the last day of the con, the Rio Grande booth in the exhibition hall, the guy gets out and he says, okay, I'm ready to start making deals. We're looking at games, and uh, Susie picks up a game. He says, how much you want to spend for that? And, you know, he just starts making deals with her. It starts to be this bartering system going on. And he's standing on top of his exhibition hall space, and he's calling out numbers. He says, everybody shows me a $20 bill, gets gets a game for $20. And then they hold up $20 bills, and he gives them 20 games, and... It was just it was this fascinating spectacle of of craziness, but it's like so, it's like good natured. It's like they just want absolutely. We just want to sh- yeah. want, want to share this love of games with you. They want to share, and and from a practical standpoint, it costs a lot of money to ship the games. Mm-hmm. True, so true, they're true. they're you know they're <laughs> dropping things. But I mean, I was asking for some games that are supposedly out of print, and the guy says, "Oh, just uh, I'll email you, and we'll get it set up. You can get these games." What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So, I can't geek out enough about Gen Con right now because I'm just like just talking about it. I'm like my heart's all a flutter. Yeah, I mean, and you just got back. That's why I wanted to talk to you now. Yeah, before that's why I wanted to talk now. I didn't. I didn't want to lose, you know, because because other cons are coming and I'm gonna have those con fevers. I really doubt though I'm gonna walk away from any con coming up and go that was better than Gen Con. It's just not gonna happen. So, so yeah. But one of my questions is going to be: Do you recommend <laughs> Gen Con? Do you think people should go? Um, if you are a tabletop gamer or a role playing gamer, go to Gen Con. Okay. Now, really, what I'm saying in that is, don't go to Gen Con because I don't want my experience messed up with more people. <laughs> but go to Gen Con because you're not going to find a, a more amazing place for gaming. Let me tell you real quick about the Pathfinder game that I didn't get to play. Okay. <laughs> so I don't play Pathfinder. I don't really know much about Pathfinder. I know it's an offshoot of D&D, and, and there's, it's a great role-playing game that kind of got a legacy feel to it in the sense that everything you do builds on the world. They had a room. I don't even know how many people were in this room, um, but my friends went to this game. You're all in the room at the same time playing the same game, playing the exact same game, and... Some of the time, the effects of one table affect tables farther away. And there's a video screen projected on top of everybody so it shows you where you're at and what you're doing in this environment. That's fascinating to me, that you could get this many people in one room and play a game all at the same time. Like Probably at least a 1,000 people playing the same game, the same role-playing game, all at different tables, and having an effect on the world individually that ripples out a little bit. That sounds amazing. Like how did I know? How did they? How did they organize? I mean, does the game 
did they set up a special version of the game that affected each other's the events in in other you know in, in other people's in smaller groups or or is that the way the game is always played or do you, do you not know I, I don't know. I don't I don't know completely I just know that from what I've heard you know there's somebody who's monitoring the whole show and then there's somebody monitoring each table and probably some information has to go from that table to the main guy every so often to go out to the other guys maybe they're hooked up with headsets I don't know I'll have to talk to my friends a little more about it but just the concept of it is so exciting to me. I didn't even know about it when I was trying to get my Gen Con uh, stuff together, so we didn't get a chance to play, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and the other thing we didn't get a chance to play, which everyone's going to talk about that came from Gen Con, is True Dungeon. True Dungeon is beyond LARP. It is a situation where the makers have created these environments that are puzzle environments. You have to learn spells and go in and repeat those spells after you've memorized them. You know, if you're a wizard type, if you're a barbarian type, you have a foam, um, a foam sword that you take in with you. But the way you resolve combat is through playing this shuffleboard game. And so you might have, you know, I've heard people talking about it. You might have somebody in a room and maybe the lockpick is over at the door trying to solve the door puzzle while the other person is fighting a dragon on the other end of the room. And all this is going on at the same time. And it's exorbitant price because they work so hard to create these environments. But you go through with your party, and it takes about an hour to go through the, the whole thing. And it's kind of this live dungeon experience. <clears throat> Again, mind blown. I don't know what to say about it. Yeah, I mean, coming, you know, I, I, I'm a video game person first and foremost. And the things that you're talking about, I almost want to say, you're talking about a video game, right? Like, there's no way this stuff is going on tabletop or, or, or physical real life. But they are. Yeah. <laughs> but they are. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. So is there anything else you want to kind of talk about or, or mention? Or are we Well, I'm getting... playing it out over in my head and trying to there, – there was more to see than could possibly be seen, as, as is the case with a lot of conventions. But, I mean, you can't go in with this idea that you're going to grab everything. That's impossible. Um, release announcements were really big. Um, Fantasy Flight announced that they have released um, Imperial Assault and I don't know if you've heard about this yet but this is uh, Star Wars miniatures in a Descent universe so basically you have it's a, it's a tabletop uh, miniatures game with Star Wars figures um, that's gotten everybody excited um, did you get to see it there? there? Did they did they have it like the miniatures there? They probably had it at the Fantasy Flight booth, but the Fantasy Flight booth line was so long that I didn't even try to get in. Gotcha. Um, but I mean, announcements were. Oh, I I got to see uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons Attack Wing, which if you've played the Star Wars Attack Wing or if you've seen Wings of War, which are both flight simulation games or dogfight simulation games, these are dogfight simulation games with dragons. <laughs> What? <laughs> exactly. That's two of my favorite things. Exactly. One thing. Okay. Where can I buy this? So, when? It, it's it's not out yet. I think it comes out before Christmas. Okay. So I'm very happy. <laughs> looking at the games, the trend is that more games are coming out with a theme to them, which a lot of Euro games, they have a little bit of theme, but they're not focused on theme so much. Theme is really important to American gamers. Um, you know, uh, there's this distinction between Euro games and, and Ameritrash. Uh, but the Ameritrash game 
is starting to have a lot more import, especially at a place like Gen Con where everybody's bringing out theme-based games. One game we bought is like a, um, a living card game um, about being in the Old West, but with a caveat, which is that these moon rocks fell from the sky and the moon rocks have magical properties and so all this magic is seeping into the Western world. Uh, <laughs> that's theming, and, and although the game's incredibly complicated and I've played it a couple of nights in a row now trying to figure it out, that's the kind of theming that's going to make me go, okay, I don't understand this, but I want to understand this. I'm going to find a way to understand this because it's engaging enough for me to say, I got to know. So I think that's what theming is doing, and that's what I was seeing throughout the con. All these games that are much more embedded within theme as opposed to trading in the Mediterranean, which we've all been doing for years and years. Um, releases, releases, releases. All the releases had these amazing themes. And monster themes. Monster themes were really big, too, because they released King of New York, which is an offshoot of King of Tokyo, which is a monster game where you're basically destroying citizens and kicking down buildings. Um, and uh, there's another game where you program your monsters to go destroy other people's cities, and they're, it's done with RC robots. Uh, so, And then the other trend that I will talk about is that there's a trend towards games incorporating themselves with iOS. So that all of the, the facts and figures and statistical data is being taken care of by your iPad while you're playing the miniatures game on the board. Hmm. That's pretty big, too. So it's a crossover between the video game world and the tabletop gaming world. Yeah, just making it... And really there were like easy. five games yeah. that came out with that kind of distinction where they have this connection. Are they required? Yeah. Okay, okay. They are required. So it, it makes it a little more expensive. Yeah. But it's also... Man, when you think about not having to think about like distances and and trajectories and whether or not you know it, it's moved from die rolls to now the the iPad just tells you what your die roll is. Yeah, I hate to to bring up something like Monopoly, but I, I think there's a version where there, you just put an iPad in the center and then you run the app and it kind of keeps track of everything. So if you you know things get toppled over or somebody kicks a table or somebody drops their money. You know, the, the app is taking care of all of that. I don't know. I think, it, I think it's cool. It's a good That's mix pretty, it, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it takes care of the paperwork, and it means that you can focus more on the fun of the game. Yep, yep. Very cool. All for it. Oh, like, uh, I remember we played La Boca, and, and we used an app to kind of score it. Yes. And that, that, I think that made it so much better. It, it, it worked as a timer. It scored everything automatically. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I really like that, yeah. So that's the new trend in, in like tabletop gaming is bringing the iOS experience into it too. Whether or not this lasts, who knows? But for now, it's really exciting to see the hybrid version of the two. I like it. I like it. I don't know if everybody else likes it, but I like it. Well, I don't know. I'm just thinking about games like Terra Mystica or something where you have to keep up with a lot of data. Mm-hmm. And if you were to kick the board over, as you said, yep. You, you've got problems. <laughs> my priests and my stuff is and my all my energy is everywhere, and yeah, that would be exactly be frustrating. <laughs> exactly. So that addition is going to be helpful, I think, moving into that world. But it does make gaming more expensive. So that you know, there's there's an issue there. Yeah. Like it wasn't expensive enough already. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Very cool. So when does Gen Con happen? Usually. Uh, next year it will happen June thirtieth. June thirtieth. Okay. That's a lot um, sooner than this year. Well, this year it was August. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just a little bit, like maybe a week or two sooner. Okay. 
I guess that's the time they could get to the, the convention center or whatever. Okay. Okay. But India's ready for it, you know. That that's that city is perfect place for Gen Con cuz that the exhibition center, the hotels around it, plenty of room to do everything you need to do. It doesn't feel stuffy, it doesn't feel hard to get around. Um it was really well done. Awesome. Awesome. So you'll be there next year, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm putting in to be a presenter next year. Awesome. Yeah, and I I want to go. I want to I want to have that experience too. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to come with me. Cool. Yes. Yes. We'll carpool. Absolutely. <laughs> cool. So Woody, thank you for talking to us about uh Gen Con. I definitely no want to go. Um so if anybody wants to contact you or ask you more questions or anything like that, where where can they reach you? Well, on uh Twitter, uh I'm not so active, but on Twitter you can reach me at Soundscape DJ. And my email at home is gratefulwoody at gmail.com, G-R-A-T-E-F-U-L, woody at gmail.com. And I welcome anyone's input or ideas. Uh, this thing can't be a, a singular thing. We all need to talk about how therapy and games combine in whatever way. I, I'm fascinated by the whole idea um, and just trying to see the depth in the things that we're passionate about instead of seeing them as surface pursuits. They're not. And now we can start to have that conversation now that we recognize that. Yes. Oh, and uh, I guess we should mention, uh, it, uh, hopefully I post this before DragonCon, but, you know, we'll be presenting on DragonCon at the, on the positive, um, the, the gaming is good for you, right? The positive exactly. aspects of gaming, yes. which is exactly what you're saying. So if anybody's going to DragonCon, come to that. 1130 Friday morning. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> come see us. Yes. We'll be there. All right, so Woody, thank you, and uh, until next time. That's